Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Saturday. What can that mean? It's an emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It's been over a year since we've done one of these. Of course, USC had a 13-game winning streak snapped in Pullman on Friday night. I was actually downtown Los Angeles with our buddy Shotgun Spratling at his apartment. We were watching the game together with some of his friends. Keely and Dan were up in uh, up on the Palouse, and uh, they were covering the game in person. And... With all the reaction we were getting on Twitter, I thought, you know, we probably need to do an emergency podcast session. So here we are. Uh, I think I can't remember the last one. It might have been after the Utah game, but there was definitely one in the airport flying back uh, from Dallas for the Alabama game. I'd have to go back and look and see when the other emergency podcasts were. But so much reaction, so much negative reaction from the fan base on Twitter, on the USCfootball.com message boards. Thought we should do an emergency version of the podcast, kind of get that out of the way. We're actually going to have Coach Harvey Hyde on a Sunday edition of the podcast, so we'll get you some uh, reaction quicker after the game since this was a Friday game. If you have questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call us at 424-254-9141. Call or text. We've got texts. We've got calls. Make your questions short and concise. Uh, we get two-minute you know, voicemails, we're not going to play those. They're just too long. We can't take a whole show on your voicemail. Keep them concise. And if you know who you want the question to be for, say, hey, I want to ask Dan or Coach Harvey Hyde or Ryan or Keely and Shotgun or Gerard. Just let us know who the question is for. If it's like for the whole team, we don't have the whole team on together. So be concise. You do your job. I know the USC football team's not doing their job, but you do your job. Give us good, concise questions. And they have to go to podcast at uscfootball.com. Our, our buddy and our intern Connor is categorizing all of the questions there. So, uh, I guess maybe some quick takes overall. It's amazing the number of different takes that you get, uh, reading the message boards, watching Twitter, uh, from people. Some people say never run the ball again. You should, you know, throw it every time. Other people are like, why are you throwing the ball? You should run. Um, certainly, uh, this was not a team that looked, uh, prepared. Um, we saw them in practice this week where they didn't go full pads at all. Dan Weber had said, Hey, that's kind of a concern. Was it a concern? You know, obviously a lot of injuries. I'm not, I'm not big on the whole injuries as an excuse sort of thing. It's it has an impact, but this was certainly a winnable game for USC despite all the injuries. USC, there's things you can't control. And I think to a large extent, it's hard to control injuries. I think you can do stuff to prevent them. And maybe USC isn't doing enough at this point to prevent the rash of injuries that you're seeing. I also don't buy into the no bye week thing. Um, it's week four, you know, they're four games in, like this was the fifth game in a row. How many teams have had a bye week already? And if not, then if you don't have a bye week yet, you're going to have one. You're not going to have one for the rest of the season. So I'm not into the no bye week. That's such a huge deal. Well, you know, over a whole season, week 10, if you want to talk about no bye week, that's fine. Week, between week four and week five, not so much for me. It's, uh, you know, you're playing four games in a row, right? Five games in a row. So yes, I think big picture, that's kind of a deal. Uh, Washington state having five straight home games and, you know, USC on, you know, 
two road games, six days apart. Yeah, I mean, I think all that stuff is a, is a factor, but not the defining factor. The defining factor was what USC was doing on the field. And I think some of it's with preparation, some of it's with uh, game coaching, uh, you know, game calls. Um, there's a lot, you guys have a lot of questions about play calls, of course. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm not like a, oh, they got so many injuries on the offensive line, you can't win. They could have won this game. They could have won this game. Um, they should have won this game. The way they played early determined what was going to happen late before all the injuries and all that stuff happened. USC could have played better. Now, USC's typically we've seen over, you know, four the last five games kind of wait till the end and pull something out. That's living dangerously and you can't always expect to do that, especially if you're going to get a whole bunch of injuries during the game. It's going to be a lot harder to pull magic out of your hat at the last minute. Some games you just have to go out and win. They did that against Stanford. They went out and they won it. They had this set up to go out and win against Washington State. It was a crazy ruckus crowd up there. You could see from Keeley's tweets and, and what Dan was posting. I mean, it was definitely an insane atmosphere, but USC had opportunities to take that out of the game early on and did not do that. And I think these are one of those games where you have to go forward and stomp them early. You can't just wait till the end. And this was, a you know, kind of futzing around, waiting till the end. And by the time you got to the end, Washington State had momentum. USC was banged up. And, you know, USC still could have won. It didn't matter, you know, but they, they didn't pull it off. All right. I wanted to look at a few stats here before we jump into your questions because we got voicemails and stuff I wanted to play. Uh, so Sam Darnold. Uh, worst game of his career, 15 to 29, 164 yards, uh, one interception. He ran for two touchdowns. His QBR was, was pretty low, uh, 37.6. Now, Luke Falk, you're going to look at him. Um, you know, he, he had decent numbers, but it wasn't like he had a great game. His, uh, you know, 51.8 was his QBR, 34.51. Um, so it was below his normal efficiency, 340 yards though, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, I thought, the USC defense got pressure on him a lot. Uh, the, the issue was, uh, you know, the, the two, who were the two, uh, you know, as, as far as like making things go, you saw Jamal Murrow, six, uh, six carries for 91 yards, James Williams, 10 carries for 34. Um, Murrow had that, uh, long touchdown. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I thought the, the, the running game, when you're talking about Washington state, you know, they have good running backs, haven't necessarily been a great running team as far as like yards per carry. They averaged, you know, 4.1 yards per carry, 122 yards on the ground. It certainly was enough to kind of keep the USC defense honest. And this is a Washington State team that, you know, throws the ball over the field. They threw for 51 times. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like this is something where you're talking about a Washington State team that, that, you know, would pound the football, but they definitely ran it enough to keep things, uh, difficult on the USC defense. But I don't put this one on the defense at all. It's more on the offensive side of the football. Ronald Jones had 14 carries, 128 yards. Uh, basically, he had an 86-yard run uh, touchdown, which was uh, you know explosive. That helped USC's average to 5.6 yards per carry. But um, you know, nine carries for Darnold, uh, five for Carr, and that's basically it. So uh, it you know you didn't really see other running backs get involved, but mostly it was because USC just wasn't running enough plays uh, receiving. It was looking like, you know, no tight end caught a pass. Uh, this, I told people Tyler Vaughns was going to have a breakout game. He did six, six catches for 89 yards, almost a touchdown. Looked like inches away from a touchdown. Caught a huge, uh, it was fourth and 13 or something. Caught a 15 yard pass, went up and caught it. So finally, at least they're throwing the ball to him. Deontay Burnett looked a little banged up. 
six catches for 45 yards. Um, you know, again, nothing like huge plays. Joseph Lewis had a, a 14 yard or two catches, 21 yards. And Josh Mettorebe had one catch for nine yards on when you needed 10. And, uh, so it really wasn't that effective. I didn't like the targets in this game. Uh, people were, I mean, Sam Darn was targeting players that, Never had been targeted in their lives in key downs. Um, you know, Josh Follow at the goal line. There was just a lot of weird kind of stuff going on there. I, it just didn't, obviously the offense didn't seem to, uh, to flow at all. Some other stats, uh, check out. So Washington State had 23 first downs, USC only 15. Washington State was eight of 18 on third down, uh, USC two of 11, just terrible. And that was something that Clay Hilton talked about from the beginning saying this was like the number one Third down conversion team versus the number two third down conversion team, which USC was. But USC wasn't that good. I think lately haven't been as good. That Stanford game, they were amazing. But since then, no. Hey, USC did convert a fourth down. That was the, uh, the fourth, the, to Tyler Vaughn's, a key one that they needed there. Um, but 462 yards to 327 yards. Um, you know, 340 yards passing, uh, 164 yards passing for USC. Um, Luke Falk threw for more yards than USC gained total. So that's not, uh, that's not ideal. Um, penalties, a lot of penalties, six for 59 for Washington State, but nine for 80 for USC. One of that one that was maybe the one of the worst calls I'd see in the uh, offensive pass interference on Tyler Vaughn. So that's unfortunate, but man, everyone's just trying to keep him down, but he's special. You can watch him. Um, two turnovers, turnovers were fairly even until the end when Sam Darnold fumbled that one away, but Time of possession, uh, 35 and a half minutes for Washington State, 24 and a half, uh, for USC. So that was not going to get it done. So the people in general, if you're complaining about the defense, um, you just get one of those things where I think this is a failure on the offensive side. Like I think there's, you're going to give up some plays. When you're playing Washington State on the road, you're going to give up some plays. I mean, it's just not, you're not going to shut this team out. I thought the USC defense did enough and they needed some help from the offense and the offense was just disappearing for a while after that first drive. Uh, it just got bad. Uh, one of the craziest things ever. And I was driving downtown, uh, to go watch the game with shotgun and I'm listening to the pregame show on, you know, local ESPN radio and, uh, Jordan Moore, our buddy Jordan Moore, you know, down there getting some stuff on the sidelines. And during warmups, he saw Jordan Iosefa and an unnamed receiver, um, having to get go back to the locker room looked like some sort of collision. So during the warmups, USC had a collision on the field during warmups, and both players had concussion protocol. Now Iosefa never got to play; he didn't suit up. Uh, Jalen Green, who started, um, had concussion protocol too, but didn't play very long. And then Keely Yorsam wearing sunglasses on the sideline. So is that the kind of night it's going to be when you can't even do warmups correctly? Um, so I think that's kind of a microcosm of. I didn't like the preparation for this game. I haven't liked a lot of the preparation and you've kind of seen on the field where it's just not been, uh, very sharp, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I, I really don't have as much of a problem with the defensive side of the ball. It's not perfect. I mean, there's certainly, uh, things you can fix and the people are calling in. There's like, Oh, you got to change this because fire Clancy. It's like they're doing pretty well. I mean, you held Washington state, um, what to 30 points. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good. Like if you want to look at what Washington state did now, it's not a great schedule. Um, you know, I guess they only beat Montana state 31, nothing, but that was a, you know, the blowout sort of game, but 47 against Boise, 52 against Oregon state, 45 against Nevada. I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're keeping Washington state in the twenties, that's great. 30, you know, it's fine. Uh, I, I don't think 
if the USC offense is scoring more, you kind of give them the defense a little bit better position too. I'm not putting much uh, of any, if any of this, uh, on the USC defense. So, um, really the offense has, has struggled. And I think the coaches have, have failed preparing this team the right way. I think injuries happen. I'd rather see more tackle. I'd rather see it be a more physical, uh, kind of response in practice. And this week with a short week, they backed off and didn't do pads at all. And we talked about that being a potential issue. Is that the big, fa- is that a main factor? Is it a big factor? I don't know. It's hard to say, but, um, you're talking here, you know, maybe you should have put the pads on. Maybe did some tackling, uh, a little bit of that. I mean, if there's anything, there was probably, yeah, there was some, some point of attack tackling problems, uh, that we'll kind of get to too. But I don't know. Overall, that's just kind of like, uh, initial take. Let me, uh, I guess we'll start playing some questions. The, the biggest complaint, uh, we've seen is about T. Martin. So I got a couple voicemails for that. What's up, guys? This is Sean from Kentucky. I just got a couple questions for really anyone who wants to answer them. What the hell was T. Martin doing that game? I mean, I know we had injuries and everything like that, but that, if I didn't know any better, I could would have swore either Sarkeesian or Kiffin were down there calling plays. We threw one pass over the middle of the field. One pass. We threw no running back screens. We threw no middle screens. We just let them teed off. Everyone was wondering why Sam Darnold is struggling. We're not giving him anything easy. Everything was long. And then we break an 85-yard run for a touchdown, and then that same running back never touches the ball again for the rest of the first half. I mean, it's just baffling to me. And the defense. It's baffling to me, too, but I don't blame them quite as much because they were exposed. But this offense should not be this bad. Washington State, I'll say this to end it, Washington State, an air raid Mike Leach-led team, had more rushing attempts than what USC had. That is simply unacceptable, fellas. That's simply unacceptable. Give, Give the guy who came from Western or something a chance. T. Martin ain't doing it for me. Fight on. All right. Thanks for that question. Yeah. Um, I think part of the problem, you look at the number of plays run. Washington State ran 81. USC, uh, ran 58. They got the balance though. They got, uh, 29 passes, 29 rushes. Uh, not exactly the kind of balance you're looking for as far as not running that many plays and not being that effective. We got one more, uh, voicemail on T. Martin. Let me play it. Hi, Ryan. It's Daniel LA. Hopefully I get it play this time um keep it short uh this is the reason why people weren't happy with wins i understand you're saying be happy with usc's wins uh no not the way the coaches have been coaching and the play calls have been called this they were setting themselves up for failure the whole time and it finally bit them you can't call these vanilla plays that t, t martin calls and expect to win a game like you're, you're running the ball into the teeth of defense you, you don't call any like over the middle uh tight end passes or bootlegs to the right it's just ridiculous like you're calling these same plays all the time, you run the you run the offense to the right side all game long. Everyone knows what you're doing. It's just ridiculous. I hope he does go to Tennessee because we need a new offensive coordinator. Not it's not even just off of this loss. We've needed one all year. Last year we have Juju Smith. You don't this year. You don't have the same receiver, so you have to be more creative with the younger guys. And he's not doing that. You can't do that. Like just something needs to happen. Needs to change. Like this whole coaching staff might lose their entire job if, if this doesn't work out. Like this is USC. This is not what you no reason to use Washington State. Oh my God, I'm so mad. Still fight on. Uh, thanks for that one too. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. He got, he sent another voicemail. That actually was a decent, I think it was about a minute. That's a decent amount. So that's fine. Um, just try to keep it. You don't want like two minute voicemails and things like that. Okay. So let's see. So play calling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think people bitch about play calling a lot, but this, you know, and it's not always that, but I think in this case, there was a lot of that. If you saw the first opening drive, there were this kind of, uh, quick passing game that set up the run. Uh, I think if someone's selling out to do something and we've seen USC, uh, I mean, people defending USC kind of put a bunch of guys in the box. They're shooting gaps, confusing the offensive line and making it hard to do to run. And USC had been stubborn and, and still trying to run like in the teeth of the defense. Um, it's not working well. I like the, the quick passing game in that opening drive. I thought that would open things up more, but I think USC assumed that that first drive would just open it up more and they could go back to what they wanted to do instead of what was working. They went back to what they wanted to do and, and Washington state still didn't change. So you have to keep doing that. You'd have to do another drive of the quick passing game, um, spreading it around a little bit and, and then open things up. You can't decide when the, the opposition is going to change what they're doing. You make them change. You keep going. So USC did it once and then didn't go back to it. Um, yeah, there was, they didn't really utilize the middle of the field that much, uh, screens. We didn't, you know, Stephen Carr didn't catch a pass. We didn't, you know, no running backs caught a pass, uh, no tight ends, uh, caught a pass. And yet they weren't taking, you know, there were some easy throws and stuff to make out there. They just didn't seem to be taking it. They made it look hard. There really wasn't anything easy. The first caller, um, was talking about. And I think the second caller talking about uh, setting up for failure. Yeah. I mean, it looked like this team was set up for failure as far as not, you know, not, you know, you talk about taking what the defense gives you. It just did not seem like that. It seemed like they wanted to do something. It wasn't working and you're going to keep trying to, to do it. Um, I know the offensive line gets banged up and you kind of, but there's, you, there's ways around that. You know, I mean, there's, there's things you can do. Uh, and I think the quick passing game would have been fine. It was working, you know, if, if you're, if you're getting a lot of pressure, there's certain plays. Yeah. You get pressure right away. Um, nothing's really going to change there, but I think there was a lot of different ways you could com- combat this and they just weren't, uh, just weren't doing it, but running into the teeth of the defense. Yes. Like we've seen that we, they've, they've done that before. Um, and I think a lot of the, those pistol plays are telegraphed. And I want to go back. I haven't seen the replay again, but if you look at the opening drive, I think they, they did some pistol plays where they did play action off of it. And then, and that worked well because USC's tendency was to run out of the pistol, but they did some play action and it seemed to work well. But then I don't, I didn't see them really kind of going back to that at all. Um, and some of the running plays just seemed to be telegraphed, like especially and then the snapping too. I'm not, you know, blaming Nico Fowler or anything, but it just seems like the way the cadence or however they, they, they start the play. Washington State was in tune and they were instantly off the ball. They were off the ball faster than the offensive lineman who should know what's going on. So, um, I know it's a quick front from Washington State. It's undersized. Hercules was a, he was a, a beast out there, but it just seemed like everything was tipped. They knew what was coming. It wasn't well disguised. Um, you gave a defense that's young, you know, athletic and quick, uh, a heads up of what was going on and they were acting on it. And I thought they did a, a really good job. It, it really felt like they kind of knew uh, what USC was doing out there. Let's go to a text message. This looks like a series of many text messages that was sent from, uh, let's see, it's Rick from LA. He said, I said it last year after the, the lost at Stanford. It's lost, not lost. At Stanford, I'll say it again, Clay Helton is a joke. Uh, he's been outcoached three of the four games this year. 
Uh, USC should be one and four. I feel really sorry for these kids who play for their staff. Watching Darnold play for the Hilton doofus is like watching Carson Palmer play for Hackett. They're so much better than their coaches. Injuries is no excuse. They should be more rotation in the line. These kinds of reasons fire the whole staff. An angry USC fan, erg, fight the F on. Um, Rick, tell us how you really feel. Obviously not very happy there. Um, yeah, I don't think, you know, Clay Hilton just won 13 games in a row. Now, I'm not going to say they were all perfect games. The way this team has looked this year has not been good. USC could have easily lost. I don't think they'd be one and four, but they could have easily lost a couple more games. The game that the one, the one game they weren't going to lose is the one you circled as Stanford, but all the other ones they've not played well. That's the only, if, if you want to get indication of how they're playing, you know, what does Vegas think? They're one and four against the spread. So yes, they're one and four against the spread. Their record wouldn't be one and four. Um, but they could have easily lost another, uh, game or two, but some hard stuff there. I don't think you need to fire everybody. Um, but there's, I think, you know, Clay Hilton's, you know, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. I do feel that there are some changes that likely need to be made on the staff. I, I don't like come out and say, Hey, fire this guy, fire that guy. I'm not, I don't like, you know, these are people's livelihoods and stuff, but I do feel like there's coaches that are underperforming. I think when you listen to me, you can hear from what I'm, you know, from my opinions, who I think is doing a really good job and who I think uh, isn't. Um, so I guess you can kind of, kind of get an indication from that, but there's a, uh, there's definitely a lot of um, concerns with this team. And I think a lot of it starts with coaching and, you know, there's other stuff too. Uh, but, you know, to me, coaching is a really big deal. Let's see. Uh, we'll play this one. Cause I think it has to do with offense too. Ryan Trojan bub just finished watching the Wazoo game. Terrible game. Uh, wanted to ask, what is the deal with not running the ball? Um, I mean, we have uh, so many great backs. Uh, Stephen Carr only touched the ball a handful of times. Uh, Speed Rojo, the rock. I, I just don't get how we didn't run the ball. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, so good. I mean, good question there. So, yeah, Stephen Carr got banged up. I don't know if he's going to be able to play in the next game. Um, he was had a, a severe limp, uh, Keely Yor said, after the game. So I don't think he was 100% healthy. I thought, you know, Ronald Jones looked good. There was, you know, just some weird stuff like when USC got the ball inside the five and, you know, they ran Stephen Carr instead of Ronald Jones. It just didn't seem like that made much sense. There's a, I mean, it wasn't just about the runs. They ran the ball as many times as they threw it, 29 and 29, but it just, it wasn't effective runs. Uh, Rojo made that one huge play on his own. Um, and that's about it. I mean, there really wasn't much else to speak of. None of the other running backs gotten, got into the game or, or you know, got the, get, got a carry. Uh, they didn't throw the ball to running backs. Um, I don't think it was a situation where like just line up and run the ball. The way they were lining up to run the ball was not working. They needed to change that, do something a little bit differently, some wider stuff, whatever they wanted to do. But it just, I felt that they needed to open up the run game more by, you know, the quick passing game and see if that would work because it's, the way that the offensive line wasn't playing great, then guys get banged up and you make it even harder. I just think, and, and they were tipping their, their cap. I mean, they're tipping their plays, I feel, and you could kind of tell when a run was coming and they were just getting teed off on. So yeah, I, I think you would have liked to run the ball more, but it wasn't like, Oh, just that was the solution. Every time they ran the ball, it was working. It basically didn't work except for the one 
uh, big run by Rojo. That, I mean, that's a huge one, obviously, but in general, uh, the run wasn't working. I gotta, I'll, I'll have to run the numbers, what their average yard per rush would be without that 86 yard, uh, run in there. And that, that one was huge. Let's go some email questions. Frank in Sacramento. Now, now we can admit it. Sam Darnold is not the player we want. So maybe he doesn't turn pro and next year he's a crafty veteran we need. Don't really understand that take at all. Um, I think, you know, I think Sam Darnold's a, an amazing player. I, I don't think that's changed. I think he looks different to me. And we've talked about this with Keeley. We've talked about this with Dan Weber. Keeley mentioned about, I think we did our Facebook live thing where when they're doing their drills and him and Matt Fink would be throwing passes and they would, you know, go from one side of the field to the other, they would usually race. Sam Donald doesn't really race that anymore. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, he had did no, I'm not saying this has something to do with it. How many features were written on Sam Darnold in the offseason? He's a very quiet, shy, introverted kid. Does interviews fine. I mean, he's, you know, it's not like he does a bad job. He's fine with them, but there was just so much uh, pressure on him and so much attention on him. That's not really what his MO is. He's not someone that's about the spotlight. Has that impacted him all? I'm not so sure. Um, he's doing his own podcast. We haven't really seen a college player do anything like this. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that has anything to do with it. I love, you know, Yogi Roth is a friend. I like Yogi a lot. I think he does a great job. He's an awesome analyst on the Pac-12 network. Obviously, um, you know, Sam Darnold is amazing. It just seems weird to me to do that kind of a show. The season of Sam, I don't know. I mean, what good is going to come out of it? I know he says it's like a master class where you're kind of learning all this stuff, but what happens if he doesn't play well? He hasn't been playing well. You know, there's all this attention on him. Now he's got to go and do a podcast this week and talk about, you know, him really sticking it up and not playing well. And it just seems like he's got enough media obligations. This is something that USC can control and they decided to do this. You know, I wasn't, I, I didn't come out and say it a lot, but you know, I, I kind of let people know wasn't a huge fan of it in the very beginning. Now I kind of feel bad that Sam Darnold's in this situation and he's got to talk about this stuff. Maybe it's something that can be positive that he can learn. You know, he's learning from these different guests and stuff that he has. Um, I don't know. Not just for me, wasn't a huge fan. Does this all contribute? Maybe. Is there something physically wrong with Sam Darnold? I'm kind of leaning towards yes now. I'm kind of thinking that there is something there that they're not telling us. They've, um, you know, we didn't know a lot of the injuries and stuff heading into this game. If, you know, if you checked out the site, we broke on Friday morning that Toa Lovendon wasn't going to make the trip. I was listening to the, like I said, the pregame show and Jordan Moore had mentioned that he woke up Friday morning, not knowing Toa Lovendon wasn't there. And he was on the, you know, I, I think he's on the team plane going up there stuff. They've kept kind of quiet, you know, and we ended up breaking that news. Um, I, yeah, it's just kind of weird. Some of the injury stuff now, it's not to the point where it was like Lane Kiffin, where you're just like not, uh, saying anything about injuries and, and flipping out if that's happening. I think, you know, Clayton's forthcoming. He'll tell you stuff, but he doesn't, he's not telling us everything. And we're, we're hearing about some things like, Oh, Lobendon didn't make the trip. I think this was a late Thursday sort of thing. Um, Marlon Tui Pelotu didn't know he was not going to make it. Uh, Greg Johnson, he has his shoulder. Uh, so he's got a sh- shoulder surgery. Looks like he's going to be out for the season. We haven't heard that for sure yet. Uh, we'll try to get word when Clay Helton speaks on Sunday night. Um, so those are things we had no idea. And now that we can't go to Thursday practices anymore, it's hard to go out and take a look and see, Hey, is somebody missing 
or whatever. The Carrie Angeline stuff, when, when he was gone, that was kind of a surprise. So there's some, there's some weird kind of stuff going on. Physically, is Sam Darnold 100%? He looks a little different to me. I, you know, they keep winning. It's one thing. They lose. And it's not like we've not been questioning this before. You've been questioning this the whole way. My guess is something is physically wrong, uh, with Sam Darnold, but I'm not putting, you know, he didn't play well. I'm not putting a lot of this on him. He's bailed this team out many, many times. Um, he needs people to play better around him. I think he needs better coaching. I think the offensive line has to play better, but he's got to own some of it too. He didn't play well, uh, in this game. There was throws he could have made that he didn't make. And, you know, we'll kind of go from there. Neil and Manila had a couple questions. What's the most important thing USC needs to fix so they don't lose another game this season? Offensive line play, receiver play, QB play, or play calling? None of them seems to have improved from week one to week five, just keep snowballing. I think you're right. Um, I mean, I think all of those things kind of need to improve. Like you're, the effort that you saw, uh, against Cal, I said wasn't going to win against Washington State. Um, and it, it wouldn't and it didn't. And we saw basically the same sort of effort. So yes, I think all of this stuff needs to get better. The play calling just to me, I love T. Martin. You know, it was just too grab baggy for me. There wasn't an offensive identity. So the offensive line banged up, but you still got a bunch of five star dudes. Um, is it, you know, why didn't any of those guys get offensive snaps before? Now all the guys that played had at least played on special teams. I think Jordan Austin is the only one that didn't play on the offensive line that's played special teams too. So there's guys that have been in games. Um, would you have liked to see them get some opportunities late in games if USC was playing better? Yes, but you don't play better. You can't play these guys at the end of games. They never get experience, and then you just get to throw them out to the wolves. So um, it, it is kind of a snowball thing where those games that you didn't play well early on where you could have maybe got reserves in and get some guys' experience, now that they're hurt and they're playing for the first time, they didn't get that experience. So, um, I mean, and if, if something is physically wrong with Sam Darnold and he has to be shut down at some point, Matt Fink hasn't seen a snap. You know, so you're talking about a retro freshman, or true freshman that's not even come in to like hand the ball off or take a knee, like nothing. So all of that stuff, there's decisions that were made before and the poor play resulted in wins, but not ideal wins because you didn't make the team better in other aspects. So Neil's other question was, has Joseph Lewis proven to be a better receiving option than Michael Pittman, a receiver core with Mitchell, Burnett, Vons, and Lewis sounds the most ideal to me. I thought Lewis played well. Um, I think Pittman got targeted a couple of times, but just didn't. That's a problem. It just sometimes guys are getting targeted that haven't caught a lot of passes, and it just doesn't look like it's right. I told you guys about Tyler Vaughn's. He's got a great catch radius. Like you can throw if you're if you're off a little bit, and Darnold's been off, he can catch those balls. We've seen Deontay Burnett catch those balls where they're not ideal passes. Um, I mean, Vaughn's his practice on Monday was one of the best I've ever seen. He's was amazing. And then he comes out and makes that huge fourth. It's such a, it's a shame that wasted fourth and 13 play that he made, uh, where USC had third and I think it was third and 13 and they just ran the ball and it was like, what are you doing? So now it's fourth and 13. That was baffling. That was one of the weirdest play calls too. Um, but Tyler Vaughn's bailed him out. I think Vaughn's can bail him out. I think Burnett can bail him out. We're starting to see some Joseph Lewis. Um, you know, Tyler Petit's in there a lot. He didn't have a catch. I don't think his catch radius is, is very good. I think it's, you know, you pretty much have to put the ball on him for him to catch balls. He had a good game, uh, last week. Um, but you know, there's, there's definitely some problems there with the receivers. Uh, and I think you need to target 
the star receivers. You need to target the guys that are going to give Sam Darnold confidence. When you get down to the goal line and you throw your first ever pass to Josh Follow, like, why? Like, why? First, why is he there? Second, why is that one of Darnold's earlier progressions that you're going to throw to a tight end that's not only never caught a ball, he's never been targeted before at the goal line and USC doesn't end up scoring. It doesn't make any sense to me. And we saw this an earlier game where Tyler Petit, who wasn't playing well, I think it was Texas, was getting all these targets, fourth down targets, third and long targets. Like, when it's just like, why are you doing that? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. So um, how much control, how much of that is Sam? How much of is it the call and which way the play is supposed to go? And he, you know, he wants to go there. I'm not really sure. But to me, yes, the, the, the wrong people are being targeted. I think you have receivers that can catch the ball. And if it's, if it's a situation where, Hey, Cody Kessler only feels like Juju Smith-Schuster's catching the ball. Throw it to him, you know? And I, you want to spread it around. You want to be balanced, but you can't do that to the detriment of the offense. If, if it's not working and there's two guys that you got two dudes that are catching, throw it to, to Burnett, throw it to Vaughn's. They only had six catches each. I thought they should have both had more. If you want this offense to work, they both needed to get more balls, more targets at least. Um, Robin in Virginia, the coaching staff seems oblivious that there's even a game going on. Are you guys getting any indication each week that they know they suck or are they totally oblivious? I don't think they think they suck, uh, Robin, uh, but you feel they suck. I don't know. They're oblivious to what you feel, I would say. In games that keep getting away from what's working and keep doing what doesn't, you can't fix the problem if you don't acknowledge one exists. Was it just Sam's ability that got us through last year? He seems to be off this season regardless of coaching. We all knew it was going to catch up with them eventually. They got complacent in winning and thought the play calling was good enough as long as they got the W. Thanks and fight on. Robin in Virginia. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, you get, you're getting the W and you can kind of excuse a lot of things. Well, I think a lot of the problems you saw in games that they won showed up here and you played a better team on the road and those problems turned into a loss. So there's still a problem. Uh, they haven't been fixed. We've talked to the coaches. We talked to players about what needs to be done. They talk about what kind of needs to be done, but we're not seeing it out there. I don't think they're not acknowledging that a problem doesn't exist. I think they, you know, they have their ways of dealing with things, but when it comes down to it, change wasn't really happening. Um, and I agree with you, Robin, they were, things were going to catch up eventually if you kept playing the same way. I really felt they were going to play better in this game. Like I said before, like in the pregame show, um, I hadn't picked USC to cover the spread at, uh, at all this year. And I was the only one I was wrong on was Stanford. I just felt this one was one they were going to circle and come and play well. And I was encouraged by the opening drive and then everything reverted back to what you were seeing and before. And it was just like, wow. And then at that point, you're like, I don't think USC can win this game. And, but there, I was wrong. They could. There was a lot of drops by Washington State. Um, I mean, I think, you know, USC punches that ball in the end zone instead of, uh, you know, kicking a field goal after, you know, and Chen and Wusu's incredible, like Sports Center top ten play interception. USC punches that in. It's a completely different game. So I, I still feel this was an offensive uh, a failure and a letdown. Even though the defense could have given up even more points than they did, there was a bunch of drops. But I thought they made some plays. They got some stops. They got some pressure on Luke Falk. Um, I think the defense, you know, wasn't perfect. Like I said, but I thought they played uh, well enough to win on just a, you know. Uh, an average, an average offensive night for USC probably wins this game. It was not an average night. I mean, they lost by three. You play a little bit better. You play, you know, instead of fairly well below average, even maybe, 
I mean, could have a below average output from this USC offense won the game. I don't know you could argue that. Uh, let's see. Paul in the high desert. Honestly, after watching the game, I believe this loss is a blessing in disguise. The team can no longer play the game, hoping they will just win it in the end, just like they have been for the last couple of games. What do you think needs to change play calling? Kids finally stepping up and not just relying on Darnold magic. Injuries did hurt, but so did questionable play calling. Hopefully the team turns around just like they did after the Utah game last year. Thanks and fight on, uh, Paul in the desert. Oh, so could this game be a blessing in disguise? I think sometimes you tell yourself you're doing something different and you're not. So maybe that's the case here where USC probably needed to do something different, but they were winning and they didn't. They kind of did it half-assed or they changed a little bit, but not enough. This is, you know, glaring. Um, I, I, I think you want to make Darnold be the magic man and throw jump passes and complete you know, fourth and 13 passes and things like that to like save you. That's too much. And you can't do that every week. Um, I know there's been a lot of criticism on Sam. He did definitely, you know, he played a crappy game. He played shitty, you know, like, what are you going to say? I'm not going to put a lot of, you know, I'm not blaming Sam Darnold a lot of it. I mean, he was asked to do a ton, you know, he was, I think he got a little bit of happy feet. I think he abandoned when he did get a clean pocket. Sometimes he just left it um, because there was so much pressure uh, other times, but I don't think he was helped out uh, by the coaches at all. I, I think, you know, I don't think he's like a guy that walks on water all the time. I'm not going to say he's beyond criticism, but to say it was all on Sam, I wouldn't buy that. To say it was all at the office, I think it's a combination of everything. Um, blessing in disguise, it depends how this team reacts to it. I don't think they've reacted to the losses very well as far as we're not seeing changes on the field. Like, we're not seeing, hey, this was poor. Uh, react differently. Now, you want to talk about the defensive side, like Clancy Pendergast. I remember talking to him after, I think it was the Stanford game, where USC had only forced one turnover through the first two games. Now, they had one. Um, USC, the defense played pretty well, right? And, uh, you know, that was something he wanted to work on. Well, they got 10 turnovers the next two games. Uh, you know, they only had one in this game. Um, but it was a, it was a big one. I, I think it was a huge one set up. Iman Marshall had a drop, he could have had another one. There, there were definitely some opportunities there, but this is a quick passing offense. Um, when Luke Falk was holding it, it seemed like they were getting some pressure. There was other times that he was back there by himself for a long time, and someone in the secondary would make a play. So there were some good plays to be made on the defensive side. There were some bad ones. Um, but overall, I think the defense wasn't helped much by the offense. You have to work in tandem. And they felt like they had to kind of bail them out. And I think it's demoralizing when you get it, you get, you know, set the ball up inside the five and you can't punch it in. Um, that's, and, and I felt USC should have went four on fourth down there. Like, look, if you're going to call those weird freaking plays, you're going for it. This is a four down territory. You're not going to like throw to a dude that's never caught a pass before. Uh, you know, a t- that never caught a pass before. If you're going to try to kick a field goal, like if you're doing that, it's because you're going to, you, you know what you're going to do on fourth down and they didn't. Uh, NorCal Trojan. Aloha, Ryan. What's going on with the offense? The team never found the offensive rhythm tonight. Looks like there was some cute confusion before each play. Last time I saw so much hesitation was during the Max Brown era. In quotes, the fans went from worrying about T. Martin getting poached to calling for his head. Please calm the mob. Thanks for the coverage. Fight on, Harold NorCal Trojan. Um, yeah, I think confusion is a good way to put it, which is another issue where, um, they shouldn't really be looking confused going into it. And I know the offensive line, you know, there were some 
you got some guys banged up. You had three new starters, really two, you know, only two guys that were starters before in there. And for the most part, the offensive line has been healthy for all these injuries to happen at once. Uh, certainly is unfortunate, but there was confusion there. And I feel like, um, that's before the play. Like it didn't look like people knew what was going on before the play happened. So you can't really put that on the offensive line. Um, there was a false start. I think like on Tyler Petit, you get all these new offensive linemen. There was a false start. I'm like, Oh, which one is it? Austin Jackson? Who is it? Oh, no, it's Tyler Petit. You're like, Oh, what's going on there? Um, it did look confused. It looked like this team wasn't prepared to know what's going on. And that's doing a disservice to the kids. It's doing a disservice to Sam Darnold. We've seen him just shine when plays break down and things aren't happening in the right way. It didn't look like this team knew what was going on. And it's a great atmosphere up there, hostile and all that stuff. But you should at least kind of know, you know, the look of confusion, I think, was very telling. There was something wrong there. Um, yes, and I don't know, you know, uh, I think T. Martin's still going to be like a, a candidate. Uh, he's a great recruiter. He's been a way, great wide receivers coach. We're just not sure what's going on um, as far as the offensive coordinator goes. You know, there's sharing duties going on with Tyson Helton. Is that causing part of the problems? I'm not really sure. Will Clay Helton do something about it? Will he make changes? Um, I think, and after the game, he talked about, I think he said that, uh, he like, you know, the play calling was fine. You got to go back and look at it and go, no, it wasn't. Like, it, this was not fine. Um, I know you can't listen to the mob, but sometimes when the whole mob has a point, then it might be a point, you know, and, and the whole mob had a point about, well, I'm talking about like the Twitter mob or the message board mob about the play calling and play calling is not always, it's not like playing Madden and stuff, but there are questions about it. There, there's real concerns there. Some of it, you don't know what happened in the play. Did it just break down right away and Sam had to go off script? Um, you know, did people miss blocks and, and make things, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's happening that you don't really know, but in general, you can see over and over and over again, there wasn't the flow. Um, like I saw in the first quarter, you saw what they were trying to do. There was the quick passes. Uh, you're getting into the athlete's hands. You saw Tyler Vaughn's catch balls that might have gone for three or four yards that he broke a tackle or two or three. And took it for a first down. You know, I mean, I think that stuff was great. And when you're in the pistol, you're doing a play action. That's awesome. You know, I thought that there was, there seemed to be a sense to that first drive. And then after that, there wasn't a sense to what this offense was trying to do. Uh, so thanks, Harold, for that one. Okay. One last question. Then maybe we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, Andrew West LA. Let me preface this by saying I could not ask for much more out of a USC coach than this winning streak and a Rose Bowl victory. But the Southern charm has completely worn off on me. And when it comes to how the Pac-12 refs have officiated, not only USC games, but the games like Stanford, UCLA as well. When will Clay Helton become comfortable enough in his position to call a spade a spade and say it's the conference, say to the conference's face that these referees are cheating these players out of these games? Thanks for all you do and making my time in LA traffic that much more bearable. Andrew in West LA. Um, he said, P.S. Keely made an excellent point on the Family Feud podcast that defense is terrible in terms of the first man to the ball carrier not being able to wrap up. Uh, your last point first. Yeah, that's, that's kind of been a, you know, we've seen that happen where the first guy gets there and isn't wrapping the ball up and, you know, maybe more physical practices, more tackling like that, uh, would help. But in general, like I said, didn't have a biggest, uh, problem with the, um, the defense there. As far as cheating, I don't think it's cheating as much as officiating incompetence. It really is incompetent. I thought the Texas game, uh, Texas got screwed more than USC. Most of the other games, it probably was the other way around. But in that game, 
I mean, all those bad calls, without those bad calls, maybe USC doesn't win the game. I mean, really, like in, against Texas. Now, let's win the Tyler Vaughn's thing. I don't know where you see the push off there. Um, that was pretty horrific. Um, you know, they call the targeting that they end up reversing. I'm not sure if there was enough video evidence that you could say, oh, that definitely wasn't or whatever. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on there, but to me, that's more about incompetence. And, you know, I think we've Dan Weber, who's normally very critical of the, the officiating felt fairly confident going into the season that, Hey, it looks like they're trying to fix things and do, but no, it was bad. And this is what everyone's watching. When you get that kind of, uh, when national, um, media members are tweeting out videos of the Tyler Vaughn's past interference and just Pac-12 after dark, Pac-12 refs. There was an awesome um, sign at the, you know, Martin Stadium. Uh, one of the students had, it basically was a picture of what should look like your phone. And it said, uh, so like what your call history would be on your phone. And it was like three missed calls from Pac-12 refs. So I thought that was genius. Um, yeah, a lot of missed calls. Uh, it was, it was bad, but I wouldn't say cheating per se. I don't think they were trying to make somebody win. I think it was just incompetent. Now people want to go out and say, yeah, that cheating one way or another. I don't know. I'm, I'm not even going to give them that much credit that they would have the ability to do that. I think it's really just uh complete incompetence, but the a good point about, okay. So Clay Helton and being able to uh not bully the conference, bully the refs, but at least make your voice heard. What we've seen from Clay Helton normally is the Pac-12 refs do a great job. They're awesome. You know, like that, it's like, okay, you that was your first year as a head coach. Now, you know, you're in the national spotlight. You've, you should have more confidence. You won 13 games in a row. You won the Rose Bowl. Um, can Clay Helton be more, show a little bit more uh, personality, a little more aggressiveness and not just be a company man? And I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but he's, you know, like, hey, University made this decision. That's what I'm going with. Uh, the Pac-12 refs made this decision. The conference made this decision. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. At some point, you don't have to be Nick Saban, but I think at some point you can use the power you have because he has power to flex his muscles a little bit and say, say something about the refs. Get a fine. Whatever you need to do, try to make some change. You know, is he doing stuff behind the scenes and calling and chewing out the head of officials of the Pac-12 and not telling anyone about maybe I'm, I don't know. We're not sure, but I think at some point you do have to, he needs to assert himself more, I would say in those kind of situations. And I think there's going to be tough decisions to be made after the season. This is not going to be a, a one loss team if they play anywhere near what they were playing last night. So, um, We'll, we'll talk about like kind of expectations and, and what this team can do. But I think at some point, you know, changes have to be made. Do you have, do you have it to be like, Hey, I need to fire these guys. We saw him fire the entire defensive staff essentially after he got the job. So it's there. It's in there. Will he do it? Um, we'll see. Will he make a stink about efficient? Now he looked like he was complaining on the sidelines pretty good. Um, but you need, you got to take that to the next level and, and make something happen. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, he's in a position of power, the most powerful conference. I mean, the most powerful team in the conference. You're the head coach. I get it in the beginning. It's more of a just you're happy to be there. You don't want to really rock the boat. I think he can rock the boat more now. I think he's built up credibility. No, with all the fans, there's fans that are, you know, still calling for his head. They never liked him to begin with. 
but he's won 13 games in a row. He won the Rose Bowl. He's, you know, proven himself to belong there. Um, how long does he stay? I think a lot of it's going to depend on being, you know, being a little more aggressive, being more assertive and flexing that power that you have. I think a lot of USC fans have like, why didn't USC flex their muscle against the NCAA? Why didn't they ever push back? I get all that. I mean, USC is a power program in the national sense. And sometimes you look at it internally, they don't seem to feel that way. They don't feel like this is this national power. But um, yeah, thanks for that one, Andrew West LA. About the whole USC, you know, technically USC still has its own destiny in its hands. So USC can still win the Pac-12. USC can still make the playoffs. Like all of that can happen. Can Sam Darnold win the Heisman still? Probably not. But if he goes on some crazy run, the numbers will be, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's like out of the question. He could make New York, but the way he's playing, the way things are going, no, like that's not happening right now. Um, USC, you know, plays all of their Pac-12 North teams first. Then all at the end of the schedule, all the Pac-12 South teams. So, uh, one more Pac-12 North team, Oregon State, which is terrible. Uh, I think that's a game where you have to get reserves in. You got to get look good, blow them out. Like you can't futz around with teams like that anymore. Like just put up a bunch of points, get reserves in there, do what, I mean, inflict your will on Oregon State Beavers. They're struggling. You can't struggle along with them and play down to that level. So I think they need to get that stuff right. And, you know, if they do that, the, this part of the schedule is not that hard. Um, you know, it's, it's, if you're playing a little bit better, you're going to be fine. If you're not, you can struggle with some of these teams. So I think for, for USC, yes, the goals of the season are still there. They're not gone. You know, I think a lot of people felt this team was going to lose a game. You just didn't feel they were going to lose a game that they could win, um, that they would play like crap and they've played pretty crappy a bunch of games in a row. I think this is something where USC fans know, yes, technically USC can win the Pac-12. They can go to the playoffs still. They could, I mean, USC could technically still win the national championship, but they're not going to playing anywhere near. They have to play so much better than what they were playing. And I think that's what fans were complaining about during the win streak at the end. Um, and will, is this team capable of turning things around? I mean, technically they could play like, kind of mediocre and still win out, right? Like they could, you know, if they don't get the best game from somebody like a Notre Dame on the road and Utah comes to the Coliseum, doesn't play all that well, USC's playing okay, and they squeak out a win again. Like they could technically do that, but I just have a hard time seeing that happen. You're going to get somebody's good game. You're going to get somebody's best shot. And if you're playing offense the way you're playing right now, um, no, you're not, you're going to lose those games too. So, Yes. Should people like be panicking and saying fire Clay Hell and that's all? No, I don't. I think that's all silly, but their concerns are real as far as, well, if you think this team is a really a top five team, you think the roster is like a top five roster, even with some of the injuries, um, they're not playing anywhere near that level. And so what's going wrong? Um, you know, is it coaching? Is it, I mean, I think there's a lot of things kind of going wrong there. All right. Well, I think that's probably good. How long do we go? Yeah, 50 minutes for emergency podcast. I'm in my office on a Saturday morning. I got my buddy's uh, bachelor party. I was supposed to go to a little bit later on today. It kind of worked out because it was a Friday game. 
But here I am in the, in my, in my office recording an emergency podcast because, you know, that's the way things go. But, um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I know, you know, don't want to uh, talk some of the people off the ledge. Uh, if you're going to be super, super negative, I don't, I don't think that's very productive. If you're going to be like, oh, everything's fine. That's probably not very productive either. Um, somewhere in the middle, you got, there's concerns. The concerns we, we had from before are still there, uh, with this team now. Now it's up to the coaches to, to make things right. They're giving the players a couple of days off already. That decision, I'm not sure if that's the right thing. Is it better to just get back out there? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's, that's coaches make a lot of money to make those calls. Uh, they make a lot of decisions. Some work out, some don't. Um, they got to do something different though. I think the decisions you've been making aren't leading to success. And if it's, you know, because of this or that or whatever, there's a lot of different factors. But you as a coaching staff, that's your job to figure it out. And you get paid a lot of money to do that. We saw Mike Leach call a brilliant game. I think, uh, I think it was Chris Dufresne, um, had an awesome tweet where it's like, Michael Leach is calling amazing plays. USC is calling plays. Like that's exactly the way you would put this. Um, it was, it was one side you saw like a, a really good game plan with a team that wasn't as talented. Uh, but a team that was more fired up and a team that was using the home field advantage. And the other side, a team that wasn't using everything at their disposal, wasn't using all the advantages you have. Um, it's like having a, a six foot seven wide receiver match up against a five foot 10 corner and throwing the ball low. Like that doesn't really help you. Uh, you want to take advantage. You have an advantage, a height advantage there. Throw it high. Um, USC had a talent advantage there. Wasn't really taking advantage of it. So, okay. That's uh, going to wrap it up here. We're going to have Coach Harvey Hyde on Sunday, so we'll stay tuned for that one. Dan Weber, you guys have already sent in a bunch of questions. Make sure when you send them in, keep them concise. Let us know who they're for. So thanks so much for tuning in to this emergency edition of the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.